this eighth chapter of John, the Lord reveals to us the nature of the enemy of our soul. He is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. He is the father of it. When he speaks a lie, it's just completely natural for him to do so. And the sad reality for us is that he is still speaking and lying to folks today. We're going to take a look at a familiar scripture from the third chapter of Genesis concerning the fall of man and the three fails of Eve and the lessons we can learn from them. Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Fail number one. She listened to the lie. When the enemy spoke to her, when the serpent spoke to her, she listened to the lie. The best thing you can do when the enemy begins to lie to you is cut him off at the beginning. Do not listen to what the enemy has to share. Do not listen to the false information that he is going to try to deceive you with. He is a deceiver. People got this idea that somehow the devil has all... It's not a question of power. The only power that the enemy has is the power of deception. There is power in the name of Jesus. Greater is he than he that is in the world. Greater is he who abides in us. Jesus himself says, I give you authority over all the authority of the enemy. So it's not a question of being overpowered by the devil. And just to, you know, if you don't know how old I am, I'm 116 years old. And I watched the Flip Wilson show when I was a kid. But then you watched too much TV when you were young. I, I probably did. But for those of you who are old enough to remember that, remember he, he, uh, he who was it? I forgot the name of the character. Anyway, he put on a dress and said, the devil made me do it. The devil ain't made you do nothing. The devil has deceived you into doing. So the first fail of Eve here is the fact that she listened to what he had to say. What was the first words out of his mouth? Has God indeed said? And you can just feel the attitude coming off that. Has God indeed said you can't do this or that? And she says, well, in response, because she's listening to him, instead of shutting him down and going, we don't do that around here. We do not, I felt the whole, listen, we do not question the word of God in my house. So we're going to shut this down right now before it goes any further. But she didn't. Her first fail was that she listened to what the enemy had to tell her. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. He's lying. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Second fail. First she listened. Listen. Second fail, she believed what he said. He told her a lie, and she believed it. Instead of believing the word that God had given her and Adam, she is placing her confidence and faith in the word of the enemy of her soul who has inhabited this serpent who didn't crawl on his bed uh, at that time, by the way. And the second fail is she believes what he says. Verse 6, 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, when she rationalized her actions, because she's fixing to do something based on her faith in what the enemy has said to her. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Third fail, she acted on what she believed. Our behavior is based on what we believe. Amen. You're going to behave according to what you believe. Now, we got some folks here that, uh, uh, who have heard this over 30 years of, of me standing behind this pulpit. Some of you here for the first time, so I'm just going to give it to you because you're here for the first time and it won't cost you nothing. I believe in that. Anybody say, it was some cat on Facebook. They, they killed a rattlesnake out in Oklahoma. That thing was like seven feet long. Looked like it weighed 50 pounds. Had a head on it like that. It was dead as a hammer, and I was proud it was, I, even though it was in Oklahoma. I have never been bitten by a snake of any stripe. Green snake, black snake. I've never been bitten by a venomous snake. We call them poisonous snakes, but that's incorrect. They're venomous. I've never been bitten by a rattlesnake or a water moccasin or a coral snake or anything like that. But you know what? In spite of the fact that I've never had that experience, I believe I believe that if that rattlesnake bites me, it's going to hurt like far. Now, I, <laughs> I take insulin injections every day, so I kind of get, you know, but I, I have more faith, listen, in that snake than I do in that insulin. If that snake bites me, that's why when I go around somewhere, I'm looking. I'm on the lookout for snakes. Now, we don't have any, contrary to rumors that got out, we don't have any snakes in this church. And we used to have a, a wooden one back in the sound booth that we just messed with people. But anyway, I believe in that rattlesnake. I've never been bit by one. I've never handled one and ain't going to. But you, you see where I'm going here. What I believe determines how I behave. You know what I'll do if I see a rattlesnake? I'll kill it. At end of conversation. That snake can tell me why I shouldn't kill it all day long. And even though I've never been bitten because I believe. What I've been told, getting that hole out, that snake got to go, man. You need, it's going to be executed for no other reason. I'm talking to somebody, listen, for no other reason than it's a rattlesnake. Now, according to my Uncle Jimmy Hutchins, every snake was a deadly snake. That's not the case. There's some snakes I'll probably, nah, I'm going to kill all of them. I believe that rattlesnake will injure me. I believe it will inflict pain and discomfort on me, and I don't. Enjoy pain and discomfort. So if it comes down to a choice between me and the snake, that snake has got to go. The third fail of Eve is that she acted on what the devil had told her because she listened, she believed what he said, and then based on that faith in what he said, she acted. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What were the consequences of this action? It separated them from the presence of the Lord. If you listen to the devil and then if you believe the devil and then if you act on what the devil has told you because you believe what he said, it will separate you from the presence 
of the Lord. Amen. <coughs> so we see the three fails here. Now there's a little fourth I'll add in here uh, just because I don't want to lay all this on Eve. Adam was not over in East Egypt when all this happened. He was right there beside her. Now, my question for old Adam is, why don't you pick up something handy laying around, and when that serpent said, yea, hath God said, why didn't you just beat it to death and end this thing? Because the consequences of their fall has been the human history of misery ever since then. You know why you're getting older? You know why Brother Andy got gray hair? Why I don't look as good as I did when I was a kid? It's sin. You know why I have type 2 diabetes? It's sin. Oh, brother, what did you do? It's a general curse. It's a point another man wants to die. Why do men die? Because Adam and Eve sinned against God, and death entered into the human equation. Sin always results in death. What the devil is telling you is that because there is pleasure in sin, that somehow you can avoid the consequences. I deal with folks along that line often. I can do it and get away with it. No, you can't. The consequences of sin is separation from God and death. And it's what happened with Eve, it's what happened with Adam, and it's still happening today. Do not listen to the enemy of your soul when he tries to rationalize and give you an argument for living contrary to what the Lord God Almighty has said in this book. Amen. We live according to this book because it is the Word of God. It is the Word of God without question. I don't, I'm not trying to convince God into changing his mind because he won't. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's going to stand, I mean, you know, good old Pentecostal cliche, going to stand when the world's on fire, but that is true. So there's a negative connotation here, but I didn't want to just leave, you know, everybody with, oh, man, you know, I, thanks for getting me shouting happy this morning, Brother Andy. Well, hang on a second, we're going to get there. Now, how that affects us today in the modern world, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy says, Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times, how many of y'all know that's where we're living right now? We're in the latter times. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed, listen to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. The same principle is in effect here. The enemy lies. He's a deceiver. He's going to tell you an untruth and try to convince you into believing what he says is right when it's not. Latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You better be careful what you listen to on TV, what that old boy is saying. You better be careful who you let come in your house on a Saturday morning because they're out rambling around handing out literature. Oh, Brother Andy, you're bolder than that. Don't let the Jehovah's Witness come in your house. Don't even bid them Godspeed. Well, that's mean. That ain't being mean. That's what this word says. Because that doctrine is damnable. If you don't believe the gospel, you ain't going to make it. The sad reality, it's not a sad reality, it's just a reality. That there is a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name does not appear there, you ain't going to make it, child. You will be cast for eternity into a lake of fire. Whoo, Brother Andy. 
preach me happy. I'm trying to preach you away from it. Amen. That's just how things are. And we live in a, in a world today, there's even a, a, what they call the, uh, the universal doctrine or the doctrine of inclusion. And a lot of folks who uh, formerly, I would say formerly, were Pentecostal folks have bought into this mess. Everybody's saved. Everybody's going to be saved. God ain't going to send nobody to hell. Everybody's saved. Jesus is going to save everybody. When everything's said and done, God ain't going to send anybody to hell. That's the devil talking. You know what he's telling you? You can do whatever you want, live any way you want, satisfy any uh, uh, indulgence of the lust of your flesh, and when you die, you'll go to heaven. And people will throw, if I preach that, people will throw Cadillacs at my feet. If I preach that, I know how to do to make money. You know, I'm not a rich person. This is Chattooga County. This ain't Fulton County. It's one of the poorest counties in the state. But if it just comes down to make, I can make money. All I got to do is let people know, hey, honey, it's all right. You go right ahead and do whatever you want to. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He ain't going to send nobody to hell. That's the devil speaking. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Adam and Eve got us in this fix, and we are hell-bound because of that. But having said that, let me say this. This same Bible says, For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now can I depend on that? Titus 1 and 1. Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. I love the way Paul begins his letters. In hope of eternal life. Get ready which God who cannot lie promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now, whoa, let's back up that second verse. In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. The hope of eternal life is the promise of God who cannot lie. Now, I want you to leave with this this morning. This is the principle. I mean, the, we understand the process, the three fails of Eve, but let this embolden your heart. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. The God we serve cannot lie. Hebrews 6 and 17. Thus God Determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immobility of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. I read that. Nobody in here understands it yet. But hang on, we're going to. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, when we, we might have strong consolation who, is, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, let's break this down into amplification so we can all understand it and take it home with us. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Hallelujah. No bait and switch here. He has promised, he has bound himself with an oath 
so that we might have peace that he will never change his mind. There is no bait and switch here with God. He said, I will save you. He will never change his mind. Hallelujah. Well, how does that affect me? It gives me peace. I can go to bed at night and go to sleep knowing that God Almighty is not going to change his mind. He's not going to change his mind about me. I can depend on him. I have a hope. That word hope, it, it, we, we have taken it out of context. In the context of the New Testament, hope is not a, a, a desire that, well, I desire this may or may not happen. Hope in the New Testament is an absolute surety. This hope we have is absolute. He has given us. He will never change his mind about us. What he has promised, he will do because he has bound himself with an oath. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have a hope. How does that affect my life? You're going to have to deal with junk in this life. This world is not fair. This world is cursed by sin. This world is going to be changed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to have to overcome challenges. That's why Jesus said in the book of Revelation to the churches, he who overcomes. I'm not going to tell you that the, the Christian life is not going to be without a, a measure of heartache. I'm not going to tell you the Christian life isn't going to be without a measure of suffering because I don't mean to lie to you. There's going to be stuff we're going to have to deal with. It's going to be unpleasant. It's going to be hurtful. You're not going to like it. I ain't either. And there are going to be times when all we have to stand on is the faithfulness of God. There are going to be times when all we've got is what we believe that he said. Amen. But here's the good news. It is impossible for him to lie. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I will go with you all the way. Ha <laughs> ha! Woo! Do what? I'll go with you all the way. I will not abandon you by the road. I will not trade you for something else. I'm committed to you. When the word of God declares in the old covenant, my thoughts towards you are good thoughts. When it's confirmed in the new covenant, the love of God for us, that he loves us. 
He loves us. There will be times where you know you would think, and the enemy will come to you and lie to you and in your ear. And I don't even want to take a poll of Christians in this house that this has happened to, but the enemy has told you, God don't love you. God don't love you. God loved you, that wouldn't happen. God loved you, you know, you wouldn't be going through this. That's a lie. God didn't put this on us. We put this on ourselves. Here's one. Listen, listen. It's not, well, I'm talking to somebody. I better close my eyes when I think I'm looking at them. It's not God's fault. Well, Brother Andy, I'm, I'm going through an unpleasant situation, I, I, an unpleasant experience. It's not God's fault. The consequences of sin is not God's fault. Eve and Adam got us in this mess, and the only one who can get us out is Jesus Christ. But he has promised that he would. Brother Andy, can you prove that? I'll be most certainly very happy to prove that to you this morning. Pentecostal, well, well it's, it's on the sign out front. We don't deceive the public. This is Pentecostal Worship Center. You come here, somebody's going to speak in tongues before it's over. Somebody liable to run this out. Somebody liable to shout and get loud. Somebody liable to jump straight up, whatever. What is, what is, your, co- great, woo, what is your great confidence, preacher, that you have that the words of Jesus are true because he's already kept the promise he made before he left. He said, when I get back to the Father, I'll ask him and he will send you another comforter. I will not leave you comfortless, but I'll give you one who will be with you in your darkest hour. And when everything around you is shouting, deny him, abandon him, forsake him, this comforter will minister the grace of God to you and give you strength. Amen. I'm talking about looking at it right in the eye. I believe Jesus Christ. Amen. And every demon in hell is crying, oh, no, no, no. He, if he loved you, I'm going to say, look, he loved me. It's not, deter- it's not based on my situation, my challenge, what I'm facing, what I'm going through. He loves me. He laid down on that cross without a word. He stretched his arms out and they nailed him to that cross and he uttered not a word and they brought it up. He could have called my good old Southern Baptist upbringing that we sung every Easter. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But he loved Andy Hutchins so much that he stayed on that cross and shed his blood and gave up the ghost so that he may be the perfect sacrifice before God the Father that he would accept and that the power of his blood would wash away my sin. Ha! Woo! But then how you know you saved? You know how I know I'm saved? Well, Jesus said I was. Amen. You have confidence in yourself? You have a strength? See, the, the last thing a devil wants is for a child of God to be walking around here with confidence and assurance of their salvation. He don't want you to be confident. He don't want you to have a testimony. There's stuff you're going to have to face. There's stuff you're going to have to overcome. But when you do that and God's grace becomes such a reality in your life, 
And you begin to raise your hand, Brother Andy, can I testify? Sure, testify. Let me, I want to tell everybody what the Lord did for me this week. Such and such happened, this, that, and the other, up and down, back and forth, in and out. But the Lord, the Lord, bless me. Sister Pat had a great testimony Wednesday night. Lord helped her find her glasses. That might not be a bad thing, but she can't read without them. I don't say that to embarrass Sister Pat. I just, you know, I, I can't say. I preach like this because without my glasses, y'all just a colorful blur. I don't know if you're smiling, frowning, or nothing. Yet. Ain't nobody throwed nothing at me, so I guess it's going pretty good, you know. But no matter what it is that we are dealing with, Lord help me. He cares. He cares for us. He loves us. He has come that we might be saved. He has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's and see, that's what the devil don't want. My, my Lord, I tell you, that's what the devil doesn't want folks to understand. Jesus didn't come to rain on your parade. Jesus didn't come to impose some kind of burden on you. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't come so that we could drag a ball and chain on our way to glory land. Jesus came that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. That in spite of everything taking place in this world, we may have hope. This country's in a mess. Half this nation has lost their natural mind. To be politically correct, you have to be scripturally incorrect. And we are not popular. Amen. But that's all right. I don't seek the approval of men. I seek the will of God. You know why? Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For the word of God has declared, that in the last days, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. I'm, and this is Brother Andy's paraphrase. I'm going to snatch you off this wretched planet so that where I am, you can be there too. Amen. My father's house are many mansions. It's 1,500 miles square, plenty of room. For everybody that wants to go. And he, our confidence in his word encourages us. Ain't nobody getting off this planet alive. It is you know, ordained for man once to die after this, the judgment. Ain't none of us going to get out of here alive. I don't care, you know, what the, uh, the doctor tells you or what they tell you on TV. If you do this, you do that, you do the other, you know. And, and you can go, I mean... Uh, modern uh, technology and science is, is incredible. They, you know, you can go get plastic surgery and all this stuff done. You're still going to be 90. <laughs> Amen. Boy, I had a, I, I had a lady. Uh, she was, I, was at Memorial Hospital in Chattanooga. Uh, Sister Donna Henderson's mom had surgery. 92 years old. They took a golf ball-sized tumor off her kidney. 92. And, and everything went through fine. Now, the fact that this lady loves the Lord and been serving him for all these years, I'm sure didn't have nothing to do with it. But anyhow, I was going in uh, uh, the thing and, and uh, shared an elevator at the parking deck. Make a long story short, 
and just trying to, you know, be sweet and engage in, in small talk and everything. And the lady uh, said she was something, 50-something uh, years old. And I said, well, you don't look like you're 50-something years old, you know. And uh, she said something to me. I said, well, I'm just, you know, an old man. I said, I'm 61. Well, you don't look like you're 60. You look like you're 50-something. I want to say, I'm going to die anyhow. The only thing that matters, I preach too many funerals. The only thing that matters is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the only way for that to happen is for you to believe what Jesus said about himself and his promise. You want to live an abundant life in this world? You, you, you take away the fear of death and the devil ain't got nothing on you. Because all they can do is kill us. You kill a child of God, he's going to heaven. We've had some go sooner than we would, you know, and some on up in years that have gone on to be with the Lord. But the hope we have as a child of God, because we don't know, and I ain't trying to lay this, this deal on, on y'all about, you may not live to see tomorrow. You may not, but I, you know, I, I don't deal in, in, in fright, so we don't do that, you know. But, I mean, it could be whatever. We're not uh, promised that. What we are promised is eternal life in Christ Jesus. He has promised to save us, and we don't deserve it. But he's promised to save us. He has declared there is power in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. To wash away our sins. There is power in this new birth experience to make a change in us. Because we will behave according to how we believe. I ain't robbed a bank all year. Ain't y'all proud? Sister Melissa's still scared to death. She's going to... I watched the news and it'll be Brother Andy. He finally lost his mind and robbed a bank because I've used that all these years. I ain't robbed a bank all week. You know why? I didn't rob a bank last week either. You know why I didn't? Well, I need the money. You know why I didn't rob, you know why I didn't rob a convenience store? Because I don't believe in it. Tell you what I do believe in. I believe the police would lock my hide up. I believe that. But I don't believe in robbing banks. Like the guy that got saved on Sunday, went back to work Monday. And they said, hey, you want to hear the one about the Sunday? He said, no, I don't want to hear it. He said, well, you heard it. You listened to it Friday. He said, yeah, but I ain't listening to it today. Why? I said, I don't believe in it. Well, you believed in it Friday. What happened between Friday and then? I got saved Sunday. Will salvation affect us? Yeah, buddy. Because what we believe determines how we behave. Eve messed up. She listened to the enemy. She believed the enemy. She acted on what she believed. Salvation, if we will listen to Jesus and believe what Jesus said, he is faithful. He'll do what he promised to do. He will give us an abundant life here. That's not an increase in possessions. That don't mean he's going to make you rich. Doesn't that mean you, you, you aren't going to be faced with health challenges or anything else? What it does mean is that we live every day in the expectation of his return. Today might be the day. Today might not just be any day. Today might be the day. The day for us is the coming of the Lord. The day for us 
is when he leaves the right hand of the Father, when the trump of God sounds, when the dead in Christ rise, and those of us who are alive and remain are caught up together with them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord in a glorified body. Honey, that is the day. That is the truth. That is what excites us. That is what motivates us. That faith in his coming back. Praise God. Anybody in this? I'll take a poll right quick. We're going to pray. I'm just five minutes over. Everybody thankful for that big old clock we got on the wall? I am. Anybody in this house believe Jesus Christ is going to come back? Amen. I mean, believe it. I believe Jesus Christ is going to come back. <coughs> I live every day with that. That no matter what I have to face, Jesus is going to come back. You know what? You may be in the middle of your worst trial. I mean, smack dab in the middle of it. And all of a sudden, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you're gone. You know how God, we cannot, our imagination can't even go there. How wonderful is it going to be in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, whatever you're looking, you might be driving down the road. And all of a sudden, we see him. And you, and, and you also take note of the fact that you've never felt this good in your whole life. Praise God. And you look around and there are millions, millions untold. And he leads us into that city. And we see the throne of God. I mean, all that. I could, I could stay here several more hours. But, beloved, that, so what we've done as a church, we've got our mind so uh, affected by temporal things that we have neglected the blessing of the eternal promise. I may be getting older, but I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. I may not have everything I want, I'm going to heaven. Everything may not work out the way I want it to, hey, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. I may have to deal with stuff, but I'm going to heaven. Jesus has saved me, he is saving me, and he will save me when all is said and done. You know why? Because he cannot lie. He's done with me. Stand together all over the house.